need more. I need more. Pla I need a table up here. That's what I need. <laughs> Let me fold this puppy up. Well, I guess I'm using it again next service. Hey, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Nope. We're not there yet, but it's going to be okay. How many long for heaven? How, how many long for the Lord to come back right now? Yeah. We all want it, but guess what? It hasn't happened yet. We're not there yet, but it's going to be okay. We have, we have a book. It's called The Bible. <laughs> it's the manual for, for all matters of faith and practice. And, and the Lord, man, I'm a hot mess this morning. And the Lord has given us everything that we need to live the, the Christian life in a fulfilled, Christ-honoring way. How many feel like sometimes you don't have what you need? <laughs> Anybody? I just don't, I, I mean, you can be honest. I just don't feel like I have what, what I need or what it takes to live this life and to do, you know, what I need to do. But listen, that's a lie from the devil. Turn to your neighbor and say, the devil's a liar. That's right. He's a liar. The devil is a liar. He will convince you that you don't have what you need. But guess what? You got what you need. Miss Cindy, you need me to run down there so you can say it. <laughs> the devil's a liar. He's absolutely a liar. And so what I love about this book in 1 Peter, if you've been following along maybe online, is it, Peter is, he, he's not making excuses. He, he's saying, look, you, you have what you need. You can do this thing. You can live a Christ-honoring life in the midst of, and here's the biggest theme of the book, in the midst of suffering. You know, when we find these challenging times, this is designed by the Lord. The Lord knew these things would happen. John 16, In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but in me, you'll have peace. Fear not. Why? Because I've overcome the world. Uh, this is no new thing that Christians are going to suffer. Did anybody see that Canadian pastor this week got locked up? Anybody see that? Just for, just for meeting, you know, just for meeting and, and the health department basically shut him down and he just said, look, we're... we're practicing social distancing we're doing what we need to do and it's a it's a liberal county you know they didn't want it they didn't want his church meeting so what do they do they lock him up i mean like this 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 is happening right uh consider the amount of persecutions that the amount of persecution that christians are enduring across the globe we we have this amazing thing here in america but guess what it's not like this everywhere there are some christians that are enduring incredible hardships uh for the sake of their faith um, so we have to consider the context of, of all Christians and all Christendom and what they're walking through, not just us. Um, so anyway, I love what Peter does here. I'm going to give you a lot of information, but I do want to, we want to have a time where we can take communion here at the end of the service. Um, so I've got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of ground to cover, a lot of scriptures that I want to read. Um, so if you can listen fast, I'll talk fast. And uh, we'll, we'll make it through, okay? I'm going to pray one more time, and then we're going to jump in. Father, we, we just love you so much. We ask that you would open our hearts to your word. We ask, Father, that you would connect the dots for us. Father, may we glean from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And today's text, we're going to go verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11. Through chapter 3, verse 12, that's the passage of scripture that we're going to cover. Um, and, and really, we went through chapter 2, verse 18 last week, um, but there were, it, it continued a thought, but there's a chunk of that there at the end that really applies to the whole in, in going into chapter 3. So I'm backing up a little bit, and I'm kind of giving a different, uh, a different thought from a different angle and a different perspective that I believe Peter is hitting here, but obviously I couldn't, couldn't cover all of it last week, so we're just hitting it from, from this different angle. So we're going to read other scriptures, not just, uh, not just this scripture from, from a whole standpoint here, um, but we're going to get to these passage, this passage of verse 11 uh, through chapter 3, verse 12 throughout the message. So just keep your Bibles open, and uh, we'll refer back uh, back and forth to there. How many can hear me okay? Can you hear me okay? Okay, fantastic. Let's, uh, let me read this to you. We're going to go to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Keep your, keep your place there, if you have your Bibles. Keep your place in 1 Peter chapter 2, but we're going to read uh, the book of Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let me ask you this. Where do we fit nationally? As Christians, where do we fit nationally? 
where do we fit socially? As Christians, where do we fit ideologically? Do you sometimes struggle with where you fit as a Christian? Do you sometimes struggle with, I'm reading this book and I can hear and see what what God wants me to do, but then I have to plug that in to a 2021 context of being an American. How do I, how do, how, how am I an American in 2021 and still a Christian? H- how do we marry those two? Should we not marry them? Should we keep them separate? Should we uh, completely, should we build a wall? <laughs> anyway, uh, does anyone else struggle with that? Does anyone else listen to the media and the news and, and what's going on in our country and our nation and think like, yeah, this is really easy to be a Christian today? I don't think so. I think for the most part, we think like, how does, how does what I believe fit into this? Where, where does it fit? Where, where do I talk? And where do I shut up? Where, like, where do I fit in this thing? Sociologically? You know, in, in this grand scheme, nationally, you know, we have some that are nationalists. Like, where do we fit? Am I the only one who struggled with this? No? Okay, good. All right, so these are some of the questions that I think we'll answer. So Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. I'll put it right up here on the screen here. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God. And the authority that exists are instituted by God. This is the Apostle Paul, right? So really the main patriarchs, two of the main, are Paul and Peter. We're reading and and, uh, preaching from 1 Peter, so what we're going to do is we're going to get some other context from around Scripture uh, that says kind of the same thing of what we're going to read in today's passage. Uh, Paul says this, let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from who? God. And, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. How many have trouble with that? Like, really? God put these people there? <laughs> God, could you, why don't you ask me next time, God, and I'll, I'll give you a, a helpful tip on, on who they really are, right? Look at the next verse. We're going to read quickly here. Uh, so then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and uh, those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Then do what is good, and you will have its approval. Verse number four. For it is God's servant for your good. Government is God's servant for your good. That's what he's saying. But if you do what? Wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your what? Your conscience. So not only is this an issue of God's authority, but it should be an issue of your heart. Verse number six. And for this reason, you pay what? Come on, what's it say? For this reason, you pay taxes. Oh, (laughs) come on. No, for this reason, we evade. We get paid cash. No, <laughs> For this reason, we pay taxes. Since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Verse 7. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes. Tolls to those you owe tolls. Respect to those you owe respect. And honor to those uh, who you owe honor. Is, is, Paul, is Paul talking about the government here? Is Paul talking about the elected officials here? Yes or no? Yes, he is. This is what Paul is talking about. You're like, there's, there's some politics in the Bible? Absolutely. Let's look at this next passage. Titus 3, verses 1 through 5. Titus 3, verses 1 through 5. Remind them to submit to who? Rulers and authorities. To obey, to be ready for every good work. To slander no one. Mm. Let, let's go back to this one here. Uh, look at this verse. Remind them to submit to what? Rulers and authorities. Rulers and authorities. That's the context. To obey, to be ready. To slander no one. That's hard for Christians these days. I've not always abided by that. I'm just going to be real truthful. It's hard to not slander these knuckleheads. My goodness. 
to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. This is the Apostle Paul writing again. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved, and various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, uh, hateful, detesting, and uh, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by the works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, So that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish what? Debates, questions. (laughs) Avoid them. But it seems like politically these days, all we want to do is engage. All we want to do is get into it. All we want to do is discuss it. And, and Paul's like, avoid it. Avoid these foolish debates, quarrels, genealogies, disputes about the law. Because they are unprofitable and worthless. Verse number 10, reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. For you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. Now, That's Paul in two different places talking about how we are to respond and how we are to treat treat one another according to the governing powers. In Romans, he explicitly says, let every soul be subject to the higher power. In Titus, he says, look, obey them. Why? Because you were once a part of and, and participating in the bad that they do. They're there for a reason. Look, we have to wrap this in context. We have to understand where they're coming from, and so that's the picture I'm going to try to paint for you today. Now we come to our passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. That's where we're going to be for this moment, right here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. Submit to every human what? Authority. Because of the, what does it say? The Lord. Because of the Lord. Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to the governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. That's an interesting little phrase there. For it is God's will that you what? Silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. That kind of sounds like what Paul was saying. Submit as free people. This is very important. This is really the crux of it. Submit as free people, not using your freedoms as a cover-up for evil, but as God's what? Slaves. Interesting wording there. Same Greek word, doulos. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Now he finishes it up with this. Honor the who? Honor the emperor. Let me remind you that the emperor during this day and age was who? Does anybody remember? We talked about it week one. Nero. He was a very wicked man. He was an awful man. He was a crazy man. He was a lunatic. If you study history and who the the rulers were in this day and age, and then you come and read Peter's uh, passage here, it's like, how does this make sense? How are you saying, Peter, that we are to honor and submit to the emperor? When the emperor has lost his ever-loving mind. Literally. He's crazy. He is opposing Christianity. Didn't Paul say the same thing? Yes or no? Yeah. Romans 13. Titus chapter 3. And in a famous passage, Titus 3, 5. Where he talks about salvation. Not by works of righteousness which you have done. But according to his mercy. In the same context where he talks about we need to be obedient citizens. We need to be obedient citizens. How does this reconcile? Let me give you a little bit more context. Are you ready? Acts, the book of Acts chapter 12. Remember, the book of Acts is, is, is a recap. It's a 30-year um, chronological timeline of the beginning of the church. So First and Second Peter and the Pauline epistles are written in the context of the book of Acts. Does that make sense? The book of Acts is the first 30 years or so of the church, And so these letters that we're reading fit into that storyline. So 
uh, when Paul wrote First and Second Peter, here was some of the things he was dealing with. The book of Acts chapter 12, verse number 1. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church. I'm sorry, I didn't put it on the screen. There it is. Violently attacked uh, some who belonged to the church. And he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is it a good thing or a bad thing that Herod, the governor of this, of this region, executed James, John's brother? Is that bad or good? You guys don't, <laughs> I don't want to say. Is this a trick question? It's not a trick question. Is it bad that he killed someone from the church? Yes or no? Yes, it's horrible. Someone that, that was close to Peter, one of his confidants, one of his leaders was executed. Look at it. Uh, and he executed James. Verse number three. When he saw that it pleased the Jews. These are the same people that crucified Jesus, right? The same people that crucified Jesus. It pleased them, these uh, hypocrites, these Pharisees, when, when the governing authorities, and we know Herod had some Jew in him as far as like his leadership role, uh, but it pleased them to see the church persecuted. So that's why he did it. He proceeded to arrest who? Peter too. During the festival of unleavened bread. See this guy here, Peter? You know who this is? That's the author of the book that we're studying. This guy, Peter, that was arrested too, knowing that James, his brother, you know, as far as in the faith, who's been there from the beginning, he just saw his, James get killed with the sword, and now he's being arrested. This is the same guy, and I submit to you in the same context, in the same time frame that he writes First and Second Peter. He's writing First and Second Peter saying, listen, you need to subject yourselves to the authority that is being placed over you. Because that authority is there because God put it there. And, and here's, what, here's what's happening. He's submitting to that authority. He's being arrested in the book of Acts. Verse number four. Now we're going to, this is an interesting passage. Peter is arrested by Herod. After the arrest, he put him in prison, assigned him four squads of four soldiers to each guard, intending to bring him out to the people after Passover. So Peter was kept in where? In prison. But the church was praying fervently to God for him. What we see here is that just because he submitted to the authority, they, they didn't rise up in an insurrection, they prayed. They didn't take it lying down, but they did take it a certain way. We find that the, uh, when the authorities came against, arrested, persecuted, were, were doing things to them that were unlawful, that how the church fought it was through prayer. That's important. It's an important way to note. Fervently to God. Verse number six. When Herod was about to bring him out for that, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him. Put on your sandals. And he said, Wrap your cloak around you, he told them, and follow me. So he went out, followed him, and did not know what the angel uh, did was really happening. But he thought he was seeing a vision. Peter thought he was dreaming. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate and, and, uh, w that leads to the city, which opened, uh, which opened by themselves. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp, from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized... He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door and the outer gate, and the servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice. And because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. Peter gets to the gate and says, I'm here. Yes, Peter's here! And she runs back to tell everybody and forgets to let him in. <laughs> Peter's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you're out of your mind, they told her, but she kept insisting that it was true. And they said, it is an, it, it's, an, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were what? They were amazed. 
For it is God's, what is the next word? Will. That you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what? By doing good. That same phrase, for it is God's will to silence stupid people by doing what? Good is the same phrase that's used in 1 Peter. And we're going to get to that. So we find here that Peter experiences during this time uh, capture and rescue. In Peter's writing, stay with me, okay? In Peter's writing, he is aware of Old Testament examples of rulers opposing God's people. Let me remind you, Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, both were judged harshly by the Lord. Peter is well aware when he writes these words to us that there have been people, emperors, rulers, down through the ages that did really bad things when they were in authority. Do you think Peter is not aware of that? No, he's very much aware of it. And watch this. In the New Testament example, Jesus was unjustly tried and convicted. James was put to death, right, by Herod Agrippa. Peter himself was subjected to persecution and we know eventually killed for his faith. So how do we balance this with his words, submit to every human authority? How do we balance that? How do we know that there is a plan and something for us to do and operate in this, especially our day and age, right, as there was in his day and age? Here it is, it's simple. Often these con- often these. These answers are not complex. They're very simple. They're just not easy to execute. It goes against our grain. Overall, who was that? Somebody pulled up or something outside. Overall, the authority is is a divine institution. Overall, authority is a divine institution, and it exists in our present age to keep evil in check. The courts, for instance, issue consequences, right? For everyday actions that affect our lives for the worse. If there were no authorities, then our world would burn because evil is present. How many know that? And this is why defund the police makes no sense. Why? Because we're, we're, we're literally defunding the people who are what? There to protect and serve. Government in our lives is there, Scripture says, to keep those that have evil intent in check. You know, evil has been present since sin entered into the world. It's just been, it's, it's there. We as Christians, if anybody understands authority, we as Christians should understand it. We as Christians should know that God puts authority in place to control, to control evil. And God uses evil people. If authority is God-ordained, then God rises up kings and what? Tears them down. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the what? hand of the Lord. So we have to understand here that in this, in this moment, Peter is saying you should understand the context. You should understand why authority exists. It's to keep evil in check. Now what happens when those evil people are the ones who are in power? Then what? Then how is it flipped, right? With this main idea thus far, though, Peter addresses us, remember, to the chosen living as exiles. The whole, the context of this from the beginning, this book, 1 Peter, is to the chosen, to the Christians living as exiles. What does that mean? It means that we are strangers in this land. It means that we have an approach to what is happening around us as it is not our final authority. There is authority in place, but we are serving that authority under what? The supreme authority. We are chosen living as exiles. We are equipped, listen to this church, we are equipped with a message that everyone needs, and the only way for them to get it is through us. If Christians understand the great commission, if we understand what God has called us to do, then we will understand our place and authority. What has God called us to do? We have a message for the world. We need to deliver that message the way God intended for it to be delivered. Many times we get discombobulated with our place in government and in the world because we've lost our mission. If our mission is to proclaim the gospel, if our mission is to live out the gospel, then it will become clear what our steps of action should be in each and every situation. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. Right here it is, I think. For it is God's, for it is God's will that you what? Silence the ignorance of foolish people 
by doing good. How is that possible? <laughs> How is it possible? This is, this is our text, right, where Peter is saying, submit to every power, submit to every authority, submit to the emperor. Why? Because it's God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. How is this? How is this possible? I just don't understand, God. Look at verse 13. Submit to every human authority because of the who? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stay with me right here, verse 13. Just a few, just two verses before it, Peter says, submit to every human authority because of the Lord. You see, we have to have a partition in our mind that we are acting like these people, that the middle man, the, manage, the, the mid-level management is like the president. The mid-level management are the governors. The mid-level management are those that are literally just put there in different places across the globe to institute uh, keeping evil in check. But those people are not called to bring the gospel to the world. The president is not called to bring the gospel to the world. The church is. We are called to bring uh, uh, a light, shed a light on foolish people. Why? Look, God uses the foolish things to confound the what? The wise. We know from the context of scripture that these people are pawns in the Lord's hand. Why do we submit to every human authority? Because of the Lord. Because we know that God is in control. But see, that's the problem. That's that's where it is it's a control issue we don't want to submit we we want to save face we don't want to be put in a place where we can be controlled by someone else but isn't that the plan isn't that the plan if we know that someone else has control over us do they really have control over who we are no they do not for us to submit to an authority, for us to be subjugated to persecution or subjugated to something that is not good, right? We have to understand that God is what? In control. This is God's will. This isn't from a guy who was once again from an ivory tower. Peter got locked up at the same time he was writing this. My man knew. My man died. My man was crucified upside down. Peter endured persecution. What am I saying? He practiced what he's preaching. But it's important for us to understand it. The goal is to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Let's, let's put that in context. Foolish people are people that don't know the Lord, is what Peter is saying. Foolish people are people that need to be saved. Are people that need to, to understand the gospel. And, and lest we forget, remember Paul? He said, he said, you were twofold, you were once twofold a child of wrath. You were once in that place where you were opposing God? This is why you have to submit to authority because you understand finally that the Lord is actually the one who's over it all. Peter and his audience were all well aware of the corruption in the government. And they were all aware of the people that needed to see it. They would only see it if it were only for the Lord. Peter knew that if he submitted to the local authority, if he went to jail, if he endured that persecution, that, that the Lord would have the space, the Lord would have the stage, and if the Lord's desire was for him, uh, to, was, was to perform a miracle and to set Peter free, who was going to see that? Who's, the egg is now on the face of Herod. Why? Because the Lord miraculously set him free. Now, this is why I think it's so interesting. He broke the law by walking out of prison, didn't he? When those, when those shackles fell off and the doors opened, he probably should have stayed there. But the Lord told him, look, get up, get dressed, go out. My point is this, the Lord's will will become clear to us. The Lord will direct our steps. The Lord will guide us if we are in a spirit of submission. You're going to submit to someone, someone. You're either going to submit to your own will and your own pride, or you're going to submit to the Lord. Peter was well aware of the corruption in government. Listen to this. When corruption is present, will they notice your rebellion or your resolve to bring the right perspective to the situation? When, when, when the government is corrupt, not if, when, when there's corruption present, will they notice your rebellion or will they notice your resolve? Look, I, I am going to serve the Lord. I'm going to preach the gospel. Bottom line. If you want to lock me up for it, then I'm going to go where? To jail. 
and my spirit will be a spirit of love. My spirit will be a spirit that, listen, this is, this is what the Lord has for me. Why? Because I'm submitting to your authority because I know, God, you have a greater plan in this moment. This is what Peter was living out. Now, let's, let's quickly chat about government. I've got to pick up the pace a little bit, okay? Thomas Aquinas, a pastor, a saint from years gone by, right? The best form of government is in a state or kingdom wherein one is given the power to preside over all, while under him are others having governing authorities or governing powers. And yet a government of this kind is shared by all, both because all the eligible, all are eligible to govern, and because the rulers are chosen by all. For this is the best form of polity, being partly kingdom, since there is one head of all, partly aristocracy, and as far as the number of persons are set in authority, partly democracy, i.e. governed by the people, insofar as the ruler can be chosen from the people, and the people have the right to choose their own rulers. You know, early church fathers, pastors down through the ages, they've had many thoughts on government through the years. Many thoughts that, listen, what we have in America is something that this, that this man, years ago, said, this would be a really good thing if this happened. We have it pretty good. According to the rest of history, we're living in a really good spot, just so you know. So, let's fast forward a few hundred years, and let's listen to this, this pastor, John Wesley. Does that name ring a bell, right? More of the Church of England, uh, fathering a whole different strand when he came to America for a period of time. A preacher from the 16th century, here's what he said about this. John Wesley, I met those of our society who had votes in the ensuing election and advised them with three things. Are you ready for this? This is free, right? Number one, to vote without free or reward for the person they judged most worthy. To vote without fee or reward. I, what I'm doing, it's because I feel like it's right. Vote with your conscience, not with your pocketbook, right? Number two, to speak no evil of the person they voted against. We don't do well with that today. I don't do well with that. This was very convicting for me. I thought, you know what, to speak no evil. Why? Because if I truly believe that the Lord is in control, then I don't need to put evil in where God is asking me to inject it with good. God, God says, I want you to submit to authority through, through the apostle Peter. By what? Bringing those foolish people to stake. Not, not you the other way around. Not you acting like a knucklehead when you have the spirit of God living within you. So he, he says, number one, vote without fear or reward. Number two, speak no evil of the person they voted against. Number three, take care. Their spirits were not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. <laughs> Is that not the most applicable thing to 2021? John Wesley, 16th century, says, listen, don't do it for the money. Num number two, he, he puts it this way. He says, don't talk evil against the guy who's on the other side. You're a Christian. And number three, the people who are on his side, don't angle your spirit against them. Man. Sometimes you submit to the punishment, in Peter's case, and sometimes you submit to the law. Here's the key. Submission. When it comes to this idea of how we are obedient in this day and age, the key is submission. Look at verse number 16. Verse number 16. Submit as what? Submit as free people. <laughs> Freedom is not free. No, no it's not. But we have an opportunity in every opportunity to submit as free people. No, if I submit, I'm not free. Yes, you are. You are 100% free. Why? Why is that? Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as what? God's slaves. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Listen, church, here's why we can serve a government. Because we know who we are serving. Here's why we can submit ourselves in situations that don't seem like we can submit ourselves. Because we're really submitting ourselves to God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Honor everyone accordingly. I love this. Submit as free people. 
we talk about our freedoms in the United States of America as if they are the most important thing. But our most important freedom is our freedom in Christ, not our freedom in this country. And that's a real huge, big problem for us. Trust me, I'm a, you know, a southerner by birth. You know, my family, the the context that I grew up in, very one-sided on most issues. It's difficult for me sometimes to wrap my head around seeing it from someone else's perspective and someone else's side. But when I read a text like this and I approach the scripture, what I see is that it's not about choosing a side politically. It's about being on the side of the Lord. Our freedom is found in Christ. So therefore, if you ever fall into bondage to a government official, you can submit to that because you're God's slave and not theirs. You understand, like, this applies to the most horrific moments in history. This applies to churches that have fallen under persecution today and of days of the past. Do you, do you know, do you recall Fox's Book of Martyrs, those that have been killed? This applies to them, not just to us. For us to live in willful ignorance of history is for us to not stand and project good into the realm of foolishness, which is the point. All right, it gets better. Ready? Hang on to your, hang on, hang on. put your seatbelt on real quick because it gets better. Here's the context he, he goes into from here. Slaves and wives are the bulk of the next few verses. Let's, uh, let's read it here. Uh, verses 18 through chapter 3, verse 7. Let's read this. Household slaves, in the same context that he's talking about submitting to government, he goes deeper. He goes further. He goes, as free people in the Lord, look at what you can do. You can do this. Household slaves, now we can't think of this as the slavery context of today. That doesn't quite make sense. People themselves would sell themselves into slavery for uh, meals and, and to have, uh, you know, lives that they couldn't have had otherwise. So it's the, the context isn't exact of what we think of as someone put in bondage against their will. Um, but, of course, there were some of that that happened. And so when Paul is, when Peter, I'm sorry, is addressing this, he's addressing this to Peter who were, uh, who had things done against their will and people who were in those situations because they chose to put themselves there. Regardless, he said, household slaves, Submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle, that's, that's the good part, but also to the what? To the cruel. Not only in good situations, but also in bad situations. For it brings favor, watch this, for it brings favor, if because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. That is, that's the bedrock of it right there. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do it, what is, uh, but, but when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. He's like, if you do something stupid and you are disciplined for it, what good is it? But if you do everything right and you suffer for it, then, then who gets the favor? God. We, we just, we did everything right. I don't understand. I do everything right. I go to work. I, I do all these things in my marriage, in my job. And I just, it just keeps coming. God is like, yes, yes, exactly. It just keeps coming. When you're doing everything right and everything is going wrong, this is an opportunity for me to give my favor. We don't talk about that as Christians anymore. We just don't. This is the meat. This is Peter saying, listen, this is good. This is great. If the average Christian said this is good and this is great, what would happen? They would hit the back door. No, I just want my life to go good. I I don't want any of that to deal with. That's why you're probably not submitting to political authority. That's probably why you break the law on a regular. That's probably why you don't pay your taxes. Why? Because you're after it for your own benefit instead of for the kingdom of God. If you're in this slave situation, but when you... Do what is good and suffer and endure it. This brings favor with God. For, watch this, you were called to this. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you and what? Example. That you should follow in his steps. He did not commit what? Sin. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult insult in return. 
When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been what? Healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Verse 1 of chapter 3, in the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they might be won over without a word by the way their wives live. When they observe your pure, reverent lives, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or, or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of a great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Only one verse for husbands. Ready? Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with the weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. I find this so interesting. All, all, of this, all of this text for slaves and for wives and one verse for husbands. Why, why is this? Why, why is this? I think what he's doing here is he's putting the emphasis on those that are struggling on the weaker. Peter, when he builds this passage out, he's saying, if you're in an underdog position, you're who I'm talking to. If you're in a position where someone is oppressing you, that's who I'm talking to. Just to make it abundantly clear where, where I am with what I'm saying to you, I, I think that you should be obedient, and I think that you should submit. Man, that's tough. And in our grain today, we don't want to submit. We want to buck up. We want to bristle. We want to do what we want to do. We don't want to do what the Bible says. And then how does Peter, how does Peter contextualize this? He says, remember Jesus? And what he does is he literally quotes Isaiah 53 right here in this passage. He was led like sheep, what? To the slaughter. Don't you think Jesus knew? But by his stripes, we are what? Healed. How are we able to subject ourselves to such authority? Well, how are we able to live in this easily? We submit to it. It's a perfect opportunity. God is going to use this in his will, in his way. But do we have that spirit as Christians? Do we have that understanding that this is what, this is what I was saved for? This is what I've been delivered into this will for so that I can live out this, this beautiful submission to show the foolish people, what it's like to actually be Christ-like and Christ-honoring. Most Christians are running from every opportunity that the Lord gives them to submit. Stop trying to explain every step and start asking him to direct your steps. Listen to this. Favor comes when something is only explained by God. Suffering for no good reason in the eyes of the world is one of the most powerful opportunities for you to share the gospel. Peter goes right to the slave that's in a cruel situation, right to the woman who has an unsaved husband. That's what he says. He says, stay in it, stay in it, stay in it. This isn't an issue of, of equality or, or any of that. This is just literally saying, look, and, and, and I wrote this down. This is no indication that he equates submission from inequality. The same Paul who trumpeted the equality of women in Galatians 3.28 also commanded them to submit to their husbands in Ephesians 5. A different function does not suggest that they are lesser beings. Just because you're submitting doesn't mean you are a lesser being. Those who argue that a different function implies inequality betray a secular worldview that identifies worth with stature and exercise of authority. Peter, what, what is Peter driving home here? He's driving this home. Don't let your position determine your disposition. Don't let your position determine your disposition. Don't let where God placed you on the caste system and the structure of this world determine whether you're happy or not. 
Peter is saying, if you're on the bottom, be happy because the Lord is on the top. You can serve as free people. But see, the problem is, is when we're under a poor leader, when we're under a bad situation, a bad government, we whine and cry instead of submitting ourselves that the Lord is in control and we now have an opportunity to live as free people under the yoke of bondage from the world. How, here's, here's, it's the same thing for, for salvation, right? How many still sinned today? How many will still sin tomorrow? How many will sin next week? That's right. But there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The law of sin, Paul said, is still in your members. You're still going to deal with sin nature. But guess what? We're dealing with it as free people. The Lord has set us free. To those that know the truth, the truth is what? Made you free indeed. So therefore, I can, I can sin and then confess that to the Lord, and I don't have to live under that. Therefore, when bad things happen in the realm of authority, we can submit to their power, even if it means persecution, and know that the Lord is not mad with us. The Lord endured it himself. Does that make sense? Does that bring it full circle? 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. Is she going to play for you, babe? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, let's get that, get that going. I'm going to wind down here in the next three minutes. Listen to this scripture. 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. This is the icing on the cake. You ready? Everything that Peter just said about, like, submitting to authority, wives, if you're in a really crappy relationship, stick with it. Servants, if you have a bad master, stick with it. Why? Because if you endure bad things and you do it cheerfully, the Lord will receive favor. You're, you're bringing perspective, right? Why? Because we're missional people. We understand the gospel. Listen, this is the icing on the cake right here. First Peter 3.10. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days... <laughs> Yes, that's me. <laughs> yes, Peter, hit that one way far. That, that's what I want. For the one who wants to love life and see good days. That, that's me. I think that just sounds like summertime right now, doesn't it? With all this cold weather. I just, how many are ready for summertime? I'm ready for Olaf. It's summer. That's what I'm ready. Oh, my goodness. But see, we think to the one who wants a leader that makes it easy to be a Christian. Is that what he says? To the one who wants a leader that makes it easy to be a Christian. Yes, that's right. <laughs> no, that's not what he said. He said, to the one, for the one who wants to love life and see good days, let him keep his what? Tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do what is what? Good. Let him seek what? Peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the what? Righteous. And the ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is what? Evil. Here, here, very simple. I have two extremely simple thoughts. How do we operate in this political climate? How do we do good as Christians? Well, can everybody agree that we have a mission to spread the gospel? Can everybody agree with that? We have a mission to spread the gospel. If that's the case, then here's how we operate. Number one, let your words reflect your worth. Let your words reflect your worth. Let your words reflect your worth. Say it with me. Let your words reflect your worth. What do I mean by that? I mean the Lord has bought and paid for you. The Lord loves you. Jesus endured the worst of the worst so that you could have the best of the best. He doesn't promise the best of the best in this life. He says go get it in this life. He says, this is the life to endure because I have empowered you to live that way. Let your words reflect your words. If you know in your heart, if you just, if you know what Jesus has done for you, if you know what he saved you from, if you know, watch this, that the, that the Lord is the Lord over the leader that you don't like, understand that our words should reflect our worth in Jesus. Unfortunately, most of us, our words reflect our place in America. My words reflect my freedoms that I have. Well, what if those are taken away? I'm saying we should fight. Absolutely. I, I think that you should vote. I think that you should work within the, the framework of government that we have. 
but I think you should do it with the right words. I think your words should reflect your worth. I really do. If you were to just analyze your words over the last year in this pandemic and this hot mess, do your words reflect your worth? In our relationships, and our marriages, in our challenges that we face, how many of us have words that are reflecting our worth? No, I think, I think for me, this week, I reflected some of my prejudice in my words. I reflected some of my pride in my words. It was a moment of confession for me. Lord, let my words, I thought about the proverb. Remember, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Do you remember that? Apples of gold. I mean, how about that? Every time your mouth opens, it's like gold apples falling out of it, right? <laughs> is that how we are? Here's the last thing here. Let your prayers determine your perspective. This could be the most important. I thought about when Peter was, he, he says here in this text that the Lord is watching, but remember when Peter was set free, the people were praying. I think our prayers should determine our perspective. Are we praying people? Here, here's why it matters. Do you truly believe that the Lord is sovereign over all? Do you truly believe that? If you believe that, then why don't you talk to him when there's an issue and when there's a problem? Why don't you go to the Lord? Because listen, he may have something for you to walk through that you didn't expect. And the only way that you're going to get the grace and mercy to walk through that is if you pray. If you pray. How many of us prayed this week that the Lord would give us the grace and mercy to administer good and be a force against evil? How, how many of us could pray that the Lord would give us perspective that our words could be good words, fitly spoken words that reflected our worth? Prayer. It's a very simple message. How do we live and breathe and, and do what we need to do in this day and age? Submission. How do we submit ourselves? Let our words reflect our worth. Let prayer build your perspective and not your pride.